Hello, and welcome to episode 192 of Effect. We are... <coughs> no, we're not. Hang on. You... This, this, this title, Matthew, is all I wrote wrong. the title. Say the title, Dave. <laughs> Say the title. We are touched. I'm Dave, and I'm not touched. Why am I? I don't know. You've got me, um, all, you've got me all confused now. I got you all flustered, have I? <laughs> <laughs> no, confused. Remember, we're showing a bedroom in a couple of months, so you better get used to it. <laughs> again. I thought I should. Yet again. I of, you, Yet you, again. You, you ever wonder why I, I insist on single rooms when we get to UK <laughs> Games Expo? But yeah, yeah. but sadly, um, sadly, you're booking this one, so you've gone straight well, for the double room. Or the twin well, room, not the double room, twin room, mate. <laughs> Come on, have some propriety. I mean, I know it's what you wish for ever since that no, lovely no, no, first that, week in Sweden, but that, um... that, that, I still have nightmares about that. <laughs> That was uh, unusual. Anyway, yes. Anyway, what we've got on the show <laughs> is not what we said we would have on the show in the last episode. Because uh, yeah, you've backslid two weeks on ago... You've backslid on your homework, haven't you? That's what you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We said, we said we'd have um, a piece on uh, one of the games of the Third Horizon, a version of Karom. We will have that piece coming up. But what we didn't know then, and we know now, is there is an exciting new Year Zero engine game on Kickstarter that we just had to talk about. Yes. So we're going to be talking about that after we've talked about the rest of the world of gaming. And we're also going to be talking with the creator of that game, Kuba Polkowski, um, from the Polish company Cozy Coven. Indeed. And then we're going to make a promise about what we're doing in two weeks' time in the next episode and saying goodbye. Well, yeah, there you go. That's um, that's a good summary. That is. That's what we do. That's what we <laughs> should be doing every episode. But um, yeah, you know it, just it, it just took me by surprise when we actually did a summary and then stopped. Yeah. I was like, hang on, what's going on? No, this isn't quite right. Um, we should be we should be saying something stupid at this point. So first of uh, all, we should say that um, we've got no new patrons this month. Patrons or potential patrons, tell us, is it because we're not doing enough original content? Is it because we're doing too many interviews? Just tell us and we'll stop doing the interviews. I think we should do some interviews. but In I, four weeks' I, time, because we're going to do another interview in two weeks' time. So. <laughs> Maybe we can slip in your game essay as well as the interview for next week. So you complain Bonus. about being touched, but you want me to but slip something in? To the podcast. Right, okay. okay. Maybe we can. Maybe we yeah. can. Uh, maybe we can edit some of this. Uh, this is all <clears throat> good stuff, mate. This is gold. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so I, 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 I feel we could put more, more essays in. I mean, I know we we kind of exhausted all the factions in Coriolis, but I'm sure we could think of other stuff. Uh, There's plenty more stuff. There's plenty crying more. Crying out. Crying out. Well, um, plenty more stuff and even more stuff. So as a beautiful segue into the world of gaming, I think the biggest news that I think we have is that Mercy of the Icons Part 3 is going to be coming up for pre-order very soon, possibly in the next week or so. So for all you people who've been waiting for Part 3 of the Mercy of the Icons, like me and Matthew, hurrah, about time too. Well done, Costa. You got there in the end. Um but yes, so exciting news for that coming up 
Uh, yeah, next week, I think it should be. It should yeah, be pre-order next week or the week after. It's what Thomas said on the Free League uh, YouTube channel. Um, yes. Part of me uh, is a little bit suspicious that if Thomas said it, it may not be true because Costa's doing it. And as far as I'm aware, he still owes the Swedish Kickstarter backers a cookbook. So um, uh, we'll wait and see. I'm not sure they're prioritising the cookbook over part (laughs) three of most of the icons, though. I'd like to think they weren't. I'd like to think they weren't. And the other question mark I have hanging over that is if it's up for pre-order, will there be a PDF um, shortly after the pre-order? I hope so, because then we can um, restart the campaign. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see the the answers to those two questions. But yeah, still exciting news because people had been wondering um, what was happening. And I think, I mean, your first your first thought there, I I think only Thomas tends to go on these TV shows and on on the yeah. YouTube stuff. So the fact that Thomas is making the announcement, not Costa, is probably not relevant to how well uh, how well developed the uh, the book is. So and, hopefully and, you know, that's not Thomas, that's not going to be a problem. Thomas is kind of the boss. So if it doesn't happen, you know, maybe he'll be um, having strong words with Costa if it doesn't get done. I think Free League would deny that they have a boss. Uh, <laughs> a, a collective... I know Thomas often frequently denies that he is the boss. Yeah, but he is. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, maybe. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's it. Um, It'll be good to get. Uh, oh, trying to think of his name. I forgot his name. Isfahan out again. Yeah, oh, hi. You, yeah, remember yeah. your character name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I almost called um, him Yaffa. Well, and you are on your way actually to um, uh, Station Nineteen or whatever it is. So we have got to finish 18? that little. Isn't it eighteen? Well, it's up to you which station you're going to. If it's the wrong <laughs> one, then the adventure's going to be very short. <laughs> let me tell you that. I think the state. I think the adventure station eighteen, isn't it? Or am I getting okay? Well, I can't wrong? remember. I can't remember. Okay, it's so long ago since we, we stopped for the holidays and didn't restart. Yes. Um, that's uh, yeah. So so yeah, that's good news. Um, there's a lot of PDFs coming out though. Um, there where are. do we start with the number of PDFs hitting people's inboxes? Um, well, I mean, for me personally, uh, I'm going to start with uh, war stories. So as of the last couple of days, the PDFs have been available. So people have been getting a hold of them finally, which is great news. And uh, I can't wait to get some feedback from people who, um, you know, who start playing it and tell me what they think of <laughs> what they think of the Rendezvous with Destiny campaign. It's, uh, yeah, I heard some people were able to get the PDF of uh, Rendezvous with Destiny before they got the core book PDF. Okay. Have you had any feedback on that at all? Or has nope. there been anything said on the forums? None that I've seen. I, I haven't really been... I don't know what forums there are, so I've, I only really tend to go on Facebook. So if it's not there, then I don't I don't see it. But um, Well, frankly, if it's not on Facebook, it's not anywhere. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the motto I live by. That's what, that's what Zuckerberg wants, anyway. Uh, yes. So, I mean, the comments there have simply been um, great to get hold of it. It looks lovely. Can't wait to read it. So... Cool. Uh, It'll be it'll be really interesting to see what the fan base think when they actually delve under the cover. Yes, it will be. Yeah. So, um, if you uh, we have heard uh, some people um, having a bit of difficulty download uh, getting it and downloading it and making sure the links right. 
my advice to you is get in touch with um, Firelock Games and hopefully they'll see you right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I've seen it. It's uh, It does look pretty good, actually. The finished product is... Um, now we've got all the right maps in the right places. Uh, it's uh, I'm pretty pleased with it. So, uh, cool. fingers crossed that others will like it too. And I guess the other thing that's hitting people is, uh, in PDF form at least, is Twilight 2000's Urban Warfare um, yes. extension, which uh, has gone on pre-order. There was a little kerfuffle because um, Twilight 2000 fan, it turns out, uh, uh, get quite exercised if when a thing says immediate access to the um, PDF, it, it it may be 20 or 30 minutes before access uh, to the PDF <laughs> appears. <laughs> um, uh, but oh, actually, that's unreasonable. How unreasonable is that? It's just an and, and to, to be fair, to be fair on them, it, I think it was a bit longer for the first pre-orderers to do it because there was a bit of a cock up. I think the link was to an expired um, PDF of something of the one ring or something. So it took a, an hour or two for freely to get themselves sorted with drive through RPG. But I believe now, if you pre-order Urban Warfare, you get the PDF. Um, yeah. I haven't seen it because uh, um, current, current affairs being as they are, I'm less interested in playing uh, fighting in Eastern Europe. Um, I'm more interested in actual fighting in Eastern Europe. I'm, I'm, yeah. no, let me rephrase that. I, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, you're more concerned by... Concerned, rather, concerned yeah. rather than interested. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, similarly for me um, with that, but also, I'm, I I don't think I was ever going to go big on the the, the new Twilight Two Thousand. I mean, I I got the I got the original. You know, I got the main game, the box set, and that's probably enough for me. Um, mm -hmm. But it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because again, I mean, with all the horrible things going on, still going on in Ukraine, um, the idea of any kind of sort of fighting game is possibly a little bit less exciting than it might otherwise have been. And obviously War Stories is very much a fighting game. It's obviously set in a different era, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how it lands at the moment, because, you know, given given all the, the real-world political crap that's going on um, and the trouble going on in Ukraine. So we've tried to be really sensitive about you know what what the what the game is about and what the campaign is about mm -hmm. but obviously it's up to individual players whether that's something that they want to get into right now <clears throat> yeah um i mean i think the key, the key thing is obviously the people who've uh, kickstarted or not who've pre-ordered it are very keen on it anyway yes that whole pre-order yeah. happened against the background of the conflict in Ukraine. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they've not been put off by it. It'll be when it hits the stores, it'll be the interesting moment. Yeah. And when people see it on shelves and how they feel about it then. But um good luck, mate, as you know, as you've Thank written you. a chunk of it. Um let's let's see that go. And uh Twilight Two K, good luck to the creators of that one. I hope um I hope it goes on. You know, we we spoke with um Thomas about it a few weeks ago and he was saying that work on it was progressing they weren't talking about it as much because of the yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably the best sort of compromise you could make. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, and there, there, there are always bad things happening around the world. And quite often, you know, a role playing game will be reflecting some of that. 
It's just that with something as stark and, you know, globally impactful as the the situation in Ukraine, it kind of really, really throws it into sharp relief. Yeah. Whereas actually, yeah. you could argue that playing a game where you're a, you're, you know, if you're a gangster or something, they're, well, gangsters are killing yes, gangsters. there's crime all over, going on all the time. Yeah, all over the world. And it doesn't stop you yeah. playing the game and getting some fun from it. But, um, no, I mean, and admittedly, I have actually that, I just played my first session of a Twilight 2000 game. Uh, our patron, Dave, is running it. Um, he's promised us ah, aliens yes. rather than Russians, or potentially aliens as well as Russians. So um, so that is the reason I'm giving that a go. And I must I admit, I quite enjoyed the first session. Mm, I certainly like the, the, the rule set for something mm. like that, kind of alien invasion kind of idea. I think it worked really well and um yeah maybe uh, maybe in, in due course if it's uh, if it's still running i might try and pop in for a guest guest appearance or something oh maybe i'm sure i'm sure dave if, if i'm welcome of course you. that is <laughs> exactly yeah might, well, dave, i'm sure dave would be very happy to welcome you i'm not sure whether i want you busting in on my game though uh, no that's fair enough let me have that's a think fair. about that <laughs> uh no cool so, cool uh, so we've talked about all the new PDFs hitting doorsteps, but there's another PDF that's a bit older that's got some news. Well, there's 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 um, like um, hard copy stuff hitting doorsteps as well. So the oh, yeah. um, the hard copy box set of uh, Heart of Darkness for Alien RPG that's been arriving on people's doorsteps. Finally, it's been a long old trek, and I think quite a lot of people still haven't got it, but. Um, should feel reassured that it is definitely on the way, so it's not going to be not going to be long or far now. And again, like Destroyer of Worlds, it's a lovely little box set. It's got lots of lovely maps in it, beautifully produced. Um, and again, it seems as you know, as with with most of these things, that the fan base are enjoying getting into it so far. So it's uh, it's good that it's finally arrived. It's taken a little while, I think, to uh, to get through all the troubles and the and the printing and the and the distribution, but it's it's getting there now. Cool. So Heart of Darkness was, uh, you know, was I was going to put that in the hard copy section after we'd finished talking about PDS, but that's fine, Dave. That's oh, fine. Sorry. Have I have I thrown your schedule? Sorry, mate. I put a segue in there that was a perfect one for our patron Thomas's Japanese Vason news, which we were very excited about last week, and uh, we forgot which... to mention it on the show, and we were <laughs> yeah, determined. Exactly. You said the first thing that went on the running order because you said it was we should talk about this news of Japanese Vason. Absolutely. Yes. So are you so... going to talk about it? <laughs> yes, I am, eventually. So, uh, friend of the show, patron Thomas Bolton, um, has created a uh, Japanese Vason supplement or game we're set in the the Meiji period, which is brilliant. We've played a few scenarios of it with him. Absolutely mm-hmm. great. Um, up for sale on Drive Through, and the great news is is that he's gone Electrum in terms of sales. Mm. And this was a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to mention it last time. Totally forgot whilst we were recording, and then went, "Oh hell, we didn't do that." So um, made sure that it was on the list for this week. But yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. If you if you like Verson and you're the slightest bit interested, get in there and go and get that because it is a fabulous addition to uh, to kind of you know the Verson world. It's uh, it's great. And if you're not sure whether you like it or not, uh, listen to our. Um, did we do Ooh. it on podcast? We definitely did it on on the YouTube channel, didn't we? I don't know whether we podcast it yet. God, dear me. Uh, mm, yeah, that's a good question. 
I'll have to look yeah, into well, that. Yeah, well, go and look it up on uh, on our YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, you'll get a sense of what it was like. It was a great, great game. I really enjoyed it. It was, and it's really nicely done. It gives really. I mean, I, I don't know a ton about Japanese history. Um, I was vaguely aware of what the Meiji period was, but didn't really know much about it. So actually, I learned a lot as well from uh, yeah from playing the game, which is again again it's great fun to learn something new. Um, as as you're actually uh, you know, as you're role playing. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was for me too. The learning experience was fabulous for a period that, like you, I knew a little bit about, but not very much. Mm. Um, and um, that great social change that was going in there is really well worked into character generation and the stories. Yes. And of course, it follows the theme of um, the core version as well. So. Yeah, uh, chef's kiss on that and a thoroughly deserved Electrum badge for yeah. Thomas and the gang. It wasn't just Thomas. We keep talking about Thomas because no, he's our patron. Right. Yeah. There was somebody else as well, going by the name of Brandon, I believe, from Alaska or somewhere. I can't remember where exactly. But you too. We love you and everybody <laughs> else involved in the game. Um, right. That, well, and I guess the other bit of World of Gaming news is there is a new game on Kickstarter. And it's a Year Zero engine game. And it is called Touched by the Gods. But should we talk about it some more after we've heard about, uh, from uh, the creator of that game, uh, Kuba, Kuba Pokowski, um, who... Um, had uh, the decency to talk to us last Monday, shortly after the campaign launched. So today on Players in Hammam, we have a surprise guest. And I say a surprise guest because it was a surprise to us. This is a Kickstarter that sneaked out last week. And luckily, it was one of our patrons, Neil, who noticed. Um, so we always like to give people playing or creating new Year Zero games a spotlight here on the podcast. So welcome, Kuba from Cozy Coven. Yeah. Hi. Uh, great. Uh, thank you for having me here. And hello, everybody. <laughs> now, we've got a lot to talk about and not much time, but we always ask, uh, we always ask our new guests in the Hamam, tell us about your love. No, not your love. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, no, no, we, don't, we don't need to know I about mean, your love. Thanks, she's Cuba. beautiful. Oh. She's she's like 165 centimeters dark. Uh, uh, she's been my wife for, yeah. I don't know how many years now. Okay, well, this is a new podcast. departure for um, players in the Hammam of asking our, our guests about the love of their life. Um, <laughs> we can but actually but, tell us tell us about how you got into gaming, your earliest memories and why, why you're a gamer, please, Kuba. Sure. Um, I've been brought up in a house full of games. Uh, my I've been taught how to play simple card games by my grandfather and my grandmothers and and my parents. Um, you know, and that that was the the very earliest memories of us playing some simple games. And then we always had some board games at home, uh, starting from Monopoly through Talisman and and mm. other games like this. Um, then I discovered role-playing games when I was about 10, I think. Um, the most popular game in, in Poland uh, has always been Warhammer. So mm. I've started from, from Warhammer and then I uh, got into playing uh, afterwards Cyberpunk, World of Darkness yeah, and Call of Cthulhu, Fading Suns. 
And then when I was about 14, it turned out that uh, basically, you know, girls and, and friends are more important than games. Um, <laughs> so the only game I was playing during that time was bridge. Uh, me and my now wife, uh, we were playing bridge basically the entire secondary school. And uh, this, this, was, this was something that we always argued over and had a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, um, basically life happened and we were, uh, we were doing other stuff. And at some point my wife got pregnant and we couldn't, you know, um, go to parties anymore and stuff. But someone introduced us to um, a board game called Carcassonne. And uh, that's how we discovered a fabulous world of modern board games. And uh, I've been a board gamer for the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. And, uh, and I've been playing a lot of board games. And uh, I now actually work at a board game publishing house called Board and & Dice. And, uh, but in the meantime, uh, my daughter was, you know, uh, growing up. And when she was five, I decided, hey, long time ago, I did play something called RPGs. Maybe mm -hmm. I could try introducing such an interactive kind of, you know, bedtime story to my little girl. Cool. And we started with something super simple. It was a story about a cat who had three characteristics, you know, his head and legs and tail were responsible for his brains and, and strength and magic. And basically you had to roll these sticks to check if something happened. Mm -hmm. And when we did that a couple of times, I was like, huh, that was fun. It was years ago. <laughs> and uh, I basically had my friend over who was, uh, who still is very much into RPGs. And he run, I think, Game of Thrones for us. Uh, this game called um, Songs of Fire and Ice. Songs Song of, of Ice and Fire. Fire. Yeah. yeah. We're very, very, familiar, for us. very familiar. Yeah. Absolutely fabulous. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely fabulous game. And then um, he's uh, very much into... Um, Legend of the Five Rings. So we played that as well. Yeah, good choice. And then I tried coming back to Warhammer, and I, I realized that uh, that that's not exactly what uh, brings me joy anymore. So I started digging. Um, Call of Cthulhu uh, is still probably uh, among my top three most favorite um, RPGs ever. So there was there been a lot of that. Uh, in the meantime. RPGs got their second life in Poland. We had this huge campaign for the seventh uh, edition of Call of Cthulhu in Poland, which I had a chance to participate in as a basically project manager or creative cool. director. And we gathered something like 200,000 pounds uh, to get it back on the market, which was quite impressive for the for, for Polish market. And then mm -hmm. I got involved also in creating Polish settings for uh, Tales from the Loop and Tales from uh, the Flood in, in Poland. I, mm -hmm. I wrote basically those chapters about about this, uh, you know the, the Polish setting for those well, two books. The Polish Loop, as it were, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so now when you're, when you're playing uh, that in Polish, you have the Swedish loop, the American loop, and the Polish one. Um, and uh, yeah, and, you know, I've been playing more and more and more and got involved more and more in that. Recently, uh, there was a book published in Poland called uh, Warsaw, The Doomed City, which is a setting book for Call of Cthulhu for Warsaw, which I'm the author of, of the setting. Cool. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime... I found this old Kickstarter from my point of view at that point, which was for a game called Mutant Year Zero. And I was like, hmm, 
Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds cool. Um, so I went to um, I think it was either Modifius side or Free Alligan side, and I just ordered the lot. I mean, mm-hmm. Mutant Year Zero, Genlab Alpha, Mechatron. Mm-hmm. Then I, I think I either bought or backed the Elysium one. And I started reading. And oh, my God. I mean, it spoke mm-hmm. to me so much. First of all, the book was written in such a way that it, it felt like reading an actual book, not like a, you know, mm. a core rule book for, mm. for a game. It just, I just, I just stormed through it. And I thought, wow, this is ingenious. And, you know, I run the game the campaign from Reading Zero for my friends and wow, um, <laughs> blew my mind. Then mm. Alien, which is my favorite IP ever. <laughs> and, and, you know, this, uh, this stress mechanism there, which was like, absolutely you know ice opening mm. and then i had a chance to play vessen as well and coriolis and well i mean year zero engine is something that nowadays is my favorite favorite mechanism to go to maybe apart from the preform universal because this is a game i can basically I have two dice in my pocket, which say yes and yes, yes, but, and so mm-hmm. on. And I can take them to any, I don't know, holidays or event or party I'm going to uh-huh. or, or, or meet my friend's kids and we can play a Harry Potter game in an hour and a half and everybody's happy. So <laughs> I think this is pretty much my story. Yeah. Cool. So, so, you've, ta- so you've, taken that, you've taken that inspiration and uh, you are currently kickstarting a Year Zero game called Touched by the Gods. Yep. But obviously, you've, your company, Cozy Coven, has been around a little bit longer than just this Kickstarter. Did you want to just give us a, a very quick um, rundown of, of your company and uh, its kind of track record? So it has to start with the board game publishing house because um, about six years ago, I've changed professions and... Uh, I stopped working at advertising agency where I worked as a copywriter and I moved on to NSKN games, uh, which, uh, you know, had at the time been already a quite a successful uh, publisher and with a couple of really good games. And uh, I've been working there as a marketing manager and sales manager. And then we joined forces with another publishing house called Board and Dice, uh, which I still work at um, and uh, basically, I've been working there as art director for quite a long time. But about a year ago, uh, we decided to launch this sister company, which I was the originator of, Cozy Coven. And uh, I basically started dedicating more and more of my time to, to this. I've been writing the book. Uh, we have hired a fabulous artist, Alexander Zavada, uh, who, who's been doing tons of great illustrations for us beforehand for 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 board for board and dice and now the past nine months or so um he's been illustrating touch by the gods um so cozy coven is basically a sister company of another publishing house which is doing board games for about 12 years now and um it's uh i would call it an a role-playing basically you know division um of of that publishing house it's it's a standalone company um but uh i have all the background and all the backup and all the support from people who work at board and dice whether it comes to 
thing, simple things like administration, which I don't have to worry about because they do that, or or marketing, or or distribution, stuff like that. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, although Cozy Coven itself is a new company, you've had lots of experience with Kickstarters and uh, taking taking a concept through crowdfunding and actually getting it out in, into the uh, into the real world. Absolutely. Both companies, both Board and & Dice and SKN, has had together probably about like 30 successful Kickstarters, mm. um, including really big ones. Uh, of course, they were all for board games, but games like um, Snow Donia, Deluxe Master Set, or, or, or Yeta, or, or La Granja. Uh, we also have our... Another sister company, sister brand, which is called Paladin, and uh, it makes sleeves for cards because board gamers yeah. tend to sleeve uh, their games. Uh, yeah, so uh, there have been already, I think, six or seven seasons of of, um, of kickstarting uh, Paladin. So yeah, I mean, we, uh, I have spent a lot of time um, working on Kickstarter campaigns and other crowdfunding platforms as well. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is something I, I feel rather comfy around. Yeah. I am myself a super backer. I have to admit because, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard not to sometimes. Yeah, I know that feeling very well. well <laughs> yeah. Trust me, spending a year unemployed really kills the Kickstarter bug I've found. <laughs> and even now I've got another job. I'm, I'm, I'm still not quite investing as heavily or as readily in Kickstarter. Um, okay. So yeah, we come to the the meat of the matter now you've got this kickstarter out why should i now a reluctant kickstarter backer what <laughs> is it what's special about the world of this game that makes me want to get yet another year zero game and explore the world okay so you have to you have to, i would have to start with my very specific set of mind so whenever i create a character for any any campaign, any scenario, my first thought about it is how would they die? Why, how, will they, how will they meet their end? What will happen to them so that they will perish? And this is something, this is this dark part of me, I guess, that allows me to play Call of, Call of Cthulhu happily yeah. and see my characters go you know, crazy or die. Um, and uh, so, so what we have here, Touched by the Gods, is a uh, is a rather dark setting. I wouldn't call it a horror setting, but it's a rather dark setting, which is set in pre-Viking Europe, in, in Central Europe uh, of the first millennium that could have been. And um, basically what it shows you, it shows you the actual myths and actual beliefs, of course, popularized and, and twisted by, by, uh, by our creations, Mm, and this is not by any means, you know, a history book or, or a mm -hmm. history of religion book, but it allows you to uh, go into this, those vast forests of, of Central Europe, which we call the wild uh, in the game, and allow you to, uh, to see how those, those people, that folk, could have lived. Now, in Touched by the Gods, you are playing indeed one of people who have been chosen, have been touched by one of the eight deities that uh, were worshipped um, basically in Europe at that time, around 500 to, I don't know, 800, um, um, you know, AD. And um, so 
those uh, those deities uh, have found you, have touched you, and now you've been given a gift, which is like your superpower. Uh, you have also been cursed by some other deity who is not very happy about you being touched and chosen. So there is also a big flaw within you that will, um, you know, uh, become obstacle from time to time. And you also have something called the bidding. The bidding is uh, something that your god. Uh, the, the reason why why the god has touched you, and um, the main mechanism in the game, because this is this is a proper year zero engine game. So you have the four um, the four main characteristics, and you have the twelve skills. There are talents, and on top of that, we have the gifts, the uh, the curse, and the bidding. But whenever you push uh, your role, because as you and and your um, and whoever who's listening to us now knows uh, in in your zero engine you can push your roll. So if you if you roll your dice, there are no successes or not enough successes uh, for you. You can basically re-roll your dice. That's called pushing. Now, whenever you push for a roll, uh, your divine level rises a bit, and it works in a way a bit like stress level in Alien, but with a small twist, which basically means that at the beginning when when your divine level rises, it gives you perks. Basically, this, this divine spark within you gives you more power, more strength, more confidence. You can do more stuff and, and be better. Now, but, but at some point, this curve breaks down and you start doing weird things. You start, mm -hmm. this, because you're just a mortal. You're just a, a mortal, imperfect vessel that's been filled with this divine energy, with this divine touch. And... At some point, it basically starts spitting out, and 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 you cannot hold it within you anymore. You're losing your humanity, and you're becoming more and more a tool in the hand of of your god. And at the very end, when you reach a certain level, and you will you will probably shift, and uh, you're rolling for shifting, uh, basically every time. So with, with sorry, <laughs> with the divine level rising, it each point of that divine level gives you an extra die, a divine right. die. Yeah. And uh, the more divine dice you have, the better, because you can roll more successes. But like stress in like alien. stress. <laughs> but just like with uh, stress, when you roll the one, uh, you will have to, to roll for shifting. And basically, you roll 1d6 and add it to your current divine level and see what happens. There is a nice table saying, okay, so... You've rolled two, your divine level is two, four. Oh, you get something extra. You heal a wound. You, you help your friends. You can run faster. But around nine, things are getting worse and worse. And you start hurting people around you or hurting you or, or doing weird things. And if, you, if your result is 15, you shift fully. Basically, your god decides, okay, that's it. I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and you turn into something horrifying, or you basically die a very horrible death, most likely taking people around with you, or at least hurting them a lot. And depending on what God has touched you, so what God is your patron, you will, uh, you will get to a different, equally horrible uh, end. Mm. Mm. So you know what this reminds me of? Um, and actually... I'm not sure whether um, it, it reminds me of something as well, but go on. Okay, for me, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the 2000 AD comic strip Slain, 
okay. where he, he'd go around killing all sorts of people in that sort of like first century to eighth century uh, world island in his his case. Um, and occasionally he'd go into warp spasm and um, the artist would have fun building his, uh, it, making mm-hmm. him an ultimate bodybuilder and his eyes popping out and things like that. And then he'd kill pretty much everybody <laughs> and think, um, think it was not too much. Oh no, that's Conan, but, but uh, Slain had the same thing. Uh, on the other hand, if you follow your bidding and depending again on the God that touched you, and there are multiple different biddings for each of the gods. And if you fulfill that bidding and if you're, You've been uh, touched, for example, by Jivana, which is the goddess of hunts in the wild. And your bidding is to, I know, um, take care of the of of the of the animals of the wild. And you've done this and this and that. Then you can, at the end of the game session, you can basically cap your divine level down by up to three points. So mm. the the more the the more you behave, the lesser chances that your god will basically. Uh, you know, get angry with you, and, and yeah. yeah. So, but Dave, you also said that it reminds you of some. But it, it 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 struck me that that mechanic would work really, really well for a, a year zero engine version of L five R and Taint, because yeah. I love that idea that you hit a fifteen or something, and then you're done. Yeah, you 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 become something. Yeah, you might become an NPC that is evil, or you might die horribly. Yeah, so yeah. Also, um, someone told me once that they can also feel the City of Mist vibe in this because mm. you have to find your balance between your the divinity in you and 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 the humanity in you. And mm-hmm. I guess that's somewhere there as well. Probably, you know, um, I've been playing a lot of games. I played City of Mist as well, and mm. I can tell you uh, that. There was it was not an intention to do that, but now I think of it, yes, it might have been <laughs> an inspiration because you know when you're creating something, you, you don't control your where your inspirations come from. It just you think yeah, it's exactly. an original idea, and you're like, oh yeah, 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 I got this. But it was my very purpose to to create a game which allows you your characters to do great things and and become you know folk heroes, and then. And then die horribly, or <laughs> or or not. But if if you if you're not trying enough, you're not you're not pushing for it, then you'll most likely not reach your goals. Mm. So what what are those goals for the players? So if I'm playing this game, what what's my character likely to be interested in or worried about? So um, just as in Mutant Year Zero, at the end of the book, there is this, uh, let's call it a meta plot campaign, uh, which is like, y- yep. you can use it if you want to as, um, as a guardian mother, how we call the GM in, in the game, uh, or not. Mm. Um, but if you do use it, then, well, basically there is, there is something that is, uh, is eating up this world. It's something unearthly. It's something that doesn't fit here. And it's mm-hmm. something that we don't understand. And during the campaign, you will you will be able to uh, to discover what it is and uh, where it comes from and what it wants. Um, and uh, so, depending on who you play, because you can play eight different character types. Um, you can you can play you know a, a fighter type, a hunter type, a healer. There is something called Soul Speaker, which is uh, um, something. Do you remember? Um, have you have you watched uh, Vikings the show? Yes. Yeah, very so yeah. they had this character Flocky there. Yeah. yeah like yeah. Uh, so so this is so this is basically one of, soul one of the Scar Scored brothers. Yeah. So this is basically 
soul speaker who uh who who has this spiritual touch with uh, with the dead ancestors there are songbirds mm. who sing songs about things because there is also this small mechanism in the game for those who like to explore we call it a mistrust which basically means that the further you're from home and the lesser people knew about it they mm. are more likely to stand against you so mm. um you want to have people sing songs about good deeds that you've done for them so mm-hmm. that they um, there's also a trader there's a ringleader who's basically um someone like a chieftain or like um and and stuff like that so there are many things that you can do in the game and you can simply play it to explore and to find what's in the next uh, you know area of the map or what npcs or what uh, mysterious mythical creatures uh, you can find there or or what locations but you can also play that uh, campaign and it's absolutely up to you which mm. way do you want to go so it's, it's the is the idea to to play with a uh, like a, an area map similar to the zone in yes in yes absolutely right. okay. absolutely nice. it's because the wild is vast and you yeah. and you never know what's what's there so there is a reason okay. to explore it so it's got a very mutant year zero feel in terms of the hex crawling and the in, yes and yes the, and, and the yes exploring and Yes, although uh, I would say that there is also a lot going on in in the settlements. So, like in Mutant Year Zero, usually your arc is something that you do this meta thing prior mm. to the to the yeah. actual scenario and exploration. Here, you can you can balance it out the way you prefer. Cool, mm. sounds good. Brilliant. Now, um, uh, the artwork is lovely. Well, we should say that uh, we will put a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. And you've got a, a quick start that you can just download from the Kickstarter page. All very easy. Straight to use Dropbox. Um, also uh, from drive Through RPG if you want. And from yeah. drive Through RPG, we'll put a link to that because uh, uh, we like putting links to things in. Uh, <laughs> so they'll be in the show notes. The artwork is lovely. And I guess uh, your history working as an art director has sort of helped that out. Um, uh, uh, you, your Kickstarter campaign is quite short, so I'm looking. I've I've just batched. You've convinced me, by the way. I should tell you that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you you've sold me. Well, I appreciate it. So, cool. so I've backed, uh, but there's only ten days to go, and you only launched at last the, week. Only only ten days at the point of recording. By the time this goes out, it'll be three or four. More days. like five days. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, if you're well, interested, folks, go ahead and get get on there and back it straight away. But. Uh, yeah, sorry, Matt. Carry on. Oh, yeah. So it's, I was it's just a, saying that yeah. it's a short campaign, and um, mm. Dave and I are thinking about maybe kickstarting something in the future. Uh, what what what's your strategy for kickstarting a campaign like this? Uh, so for, why is it so short? So basically, um, I have a feeling that nowadays, especially our attention span and online attention span is getting shorter and shorter mm-hmm. so if you if you have a campaign that is uh, you know 17 days long you you have a chance to attract people have them look at it and and get interested in that but if you have a 35 day campaign for example then you have 35 days that you have to basically cover with something mm-hmm. and uh so basically very energy consuming and i would rather dedicated energy to to writing cool things for this book and you know <laughs> doing stuff yeah. but um yeah i mean um also i want to deliver the game very fast because uh i want to deliver uh the pdfs in november which is basically 
month and a half after the campaign ends yeah. and I want to deliver the physical books in January uh, wow. because uh, yeah, uh, we're printing locally in Poland, which means that uh, we can get these books shipped out within two, three weeks from sending the files to the factory nice. uh, and uh, dice, because we've done the custom dice for this. We have the base dice and the divine dice. Um, we are, um, you know, uh, we're getting them with, a shipment of board and dice games uh, right, yeah. in November, which means that we can close the campaign, order dice, get them shipped in time to um, to 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 send them to our backers. So, nice. you know, fingers crossed. But again, logistics another help from yeah. my mother company. <laughs> <laughs> so that's brilliant because that's a, that's a really short fulfillment. That'll be that will make a lot of people very happy if they back this game. Uh, if yep. I don't back the game, mm. they'll never know just how quick the fulfillment was. But we'll, uh... <laughs> no, indeed. Totally. Um, that's a lovely New Year's present for some people. Right. Have you got any more questions, though? Because I think I, I was going to talk about the Year Zero system, but we've already found out about Kuba's love for the Year Zero system. We found out what's the same and what's different. There's not much else mm. to ask. No, um, I'd just like to say um, it's been great chatting to you, Kuba. It's been great to have you on. Um it's been great to talk to you about it because I learned so much more um, by doing that than just looking at the Kickstarter. And um, yeah, I, you never know. I might be back in it as well. Quite possibly. <laughs> Thank so, you so much uh, for having me. And uh, you know, uh, I will just uh, say, Hey, come and join me in the wild and, and back touch by the gods. So it was great to chat to Kuba, um, you know, a, a company uh, I've not heard of before and a game, that uh, I can't remember how we got pointed to it. because uh, um... I know exactly how we got pointed to it. It was our friend and patron, um, Paladin oh, Neil. Uh, no, it's uh, Paladin Neil. Uh, okay. So um, when I looked at it first on the, on the Kickstarter, um, it looks lovely. And it's, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of content there. There's lovely the, illustrations. The, the artwork is really nice. But I wasn't really that interested in the game, as in backing the game. So it, having looked at it, I didn't really get feel that draw. It didn't grab me by the throat and pull me into the page and say, here are the reasons why you must back this. But having spoken to Kuba, I, I've changed my mind entirely. I have now backed it. I think the idea behind it is uh, is is a really nice one. The 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 sort of the Slavic folk folklore is really interesting element that interested me in the first place when I first looked at it. But the whole idea that there's a a sort of mutant year zero uh, zone exploration element to this really made it click for me what you as a player and your character might be doing in this world, and I I really like that. I also quite like some of the um, some of the tweaks to Year Zero, uh, in terms of how the the push mechanic works, I quite mm. I like the sound of them, and I think that there's there's definitely something in this game that that um, you know, as I said, has, has made me back it. So I've uh, I've gone on for the the sort of the the, the, the plates that I normally go for, the one where you get the physical books as well as the PDFs, and um, I really hope they do well because I think there is a lot to this that actually the Kickstarter page itself doesn't really tell you. Yeah. But the yeah. conversation with Hadvukuba has really cleared that up for me and really made it much clearer that 
actually this game has got real potential. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I went on much the same journey as you, but I think possibly a little bit faster in that I, um, I backed it while we were talking to him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, um, what I, that's what I did with the troubleshooters. I wasn't going to yeah. back that and I backed it whilst we were talking to Krista. Yeah. yeah no i was converted in in much the same way and and like you i was thinking mm, that doesn't feel doesn't you know from i i do want to criticize you kuba if you're listening um but something about that kickstarter page doesn't grab something about the kickstarter page it makes you think of simba room which obviously there's a game for with two rule sets already um and probably somebody's invented year zero engine for simba room too uh <laughs> probably there didn't seem to be a compelling reason uh to purchase it but but by the time that he was talking about that interaction with the gods and particularly yeah, that kind yeah. of um mutant year zero style version of uh the stress mechanic in alien where you you know you can be warped by um effectively pushing your luck or yeah. warped with um effectively the god taking control of your body and, and doing stuff to it. Um, mm. That's got me in. That's got me in. Yeah. And for me, like I said, when we were talking to him, that feels very much like Slain from 2018. Um, and I want to give it a go. But the other thing that really impressed me, really impressed me, and this is the reason why, listener, I'm going to beg you to back this. Mm -hmm. uh, what really impressed me is his plans for delivery of this game. So if he succeeds, we're going to see the. He's promised us. You heard him on the interview. Hmm. He's promised us that we will get the PDFs in November and the printed, finished core book in the early part of next year. In January, hmm. he even said, which is, if he manages to to do that, is um, is astounding. It's it's got to be one of the quickest, um, quickest delivered. Uh, kickstarters ever and mm. well for all <clears throat> playing games I'm, I'm sure there's other things that have been uh even yeah. faster than that but um yeah and this is for you know this isn't from somebody who doesn't know what he's talking about no this exactly isn't from somebody who's doing his first project and has never crowdfunded a thing before this is from somebody with as he explained in the interview a history of producing games and getting them out um and this is you know, is, the, these are is, board games. These are box games, so they're complex production process yeah. there. And uh, he's delivered those. So if he thinks he can get the books and the dice and the dice out by January, I'm going to be well impressed. I want to mm. test him, but to test him, I need your support, listeners. I need you to back this game as well, so that he gets yeah. over the line and has Absolutely. to keep his promise. Yeah. So as as we're recording, um, there are five days to go. So. Uh, this is Saturday, the 8th of October. It finishes on um, the 13th of October. And they've got a little way to go yet. So mm. um, get in there and back it. Uh, I really, you know, I, I, I echo Matt's comments, uh, you know, beg you to get in there and give this guy a chance. So this is his first Kickstarter with Cozy Coven. Mm. But as Matt said, he's got a long track record of running Kickstarters with uh, with other game companies and delivering those Kickstarters. So we know he's got a track record. We know what he knows what he's talking about. Um, I'm, less, I'm less worried about testing him on the delivery. Um, <laughs> but uh, I you expect... just want the game. 
Yeah. I expect the delivery will be good. And I think the game has got a lot to it. So if you're in the slightest bit interested, go in there, back it. Let's get them over the line. Five days to go. Probably four days to go from the point where this podcast goes out. Um, we've done our bit with trying to spread... Um, the, the love around the, 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 the social sphere a bit. and so I I've, think got, I've got to say, we've done more than our bit, Dave. We've done more than our bit, actually. He's giving, he's, he's, he's giving an interview to... Um, oh, what's the podcast called? From uh, Saul, Saul, from uh, Gaming Perspectives podcast. That, yeah. that interview, I think, may be happening even as we speak um, <laughs> uh, so, right so So I think you can see that we think this has got some legs to it. I think uh, So, yeah, I mean... I don't think either of us have used the word beg before, but I think there's there's something in this and it would be great if we as a community could help him get over the line. <laughs> so, Okay, now, yeah. now uh, I'm going to say now that if he takes the money and runs, <laughs> then... <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just, we're just um, you know, uh, what are we doing? We are expressing our opinion, but other, yeah. opini- other opinions do exist. Um, we we so, may turn out to be gullible fools if he takes. We may be that. totally wrong, but then you know if he does run off, he's not exactly going to go and you know buy an island in the Caribbean with his yeah. with his taking. So yeah, uh, yeah. but um, and it looks like they've put quite a lot of effort into it already. As I said, the the artwork looks really nice. Um, some of it is really quite really quite beautiful, actually. I mean, I don't like all of it, but some of it is really super. Um, so yeah. I think I think uh, I think our opinion is clear on this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else to say about it? No dice. Uh, we did try and get Doug from Victory Condition Gaming to interview him on his YouTube channel as well, but sadly, Doug's got a pretty full schedule for the next six weeks. He's just just way too busy. He's a busy man, yeah. now, Doug, isn't he? Yeah, busy man, busy man. Um, yeah. No, I think it was just it was a real pleasure to talk to Cuba and someone who I hadn't come across before. So it's always good to talk to other gamers, particularly you know those from other parts of other parts of the world, that um, you know get them involved. So fingers crossed. I really hope um, touched by the gods gets over the line. Really, I do. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, is that is that the end of this episode already? I think for once we've kind of run out of things to say. Well, we've right. never run out of things to say because we're no. still going to talk about what we're doing next week. Well, what should, what should we? Well, we, we could just fill in ten minutes of just general chit chat, if you like. No, no, we no, no, we're, we're fine. <laughs> we're fine. By the time we've said what we're doing next week, it'll be a round hour. You might. Well, I would. Words. I would like to point out that when we first started podcasting, you never wanted to do a podcast longer than forty-five minutes. No, and I don't. And I don't think, with the exception of the RPG a day, I don't think we've done one that's been shorter than probably an hour and. Well, an hour at least, if yeah, not an hour and yeah. ten. So, um, yes, so, 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 dear listener, we are, not only are we giving you the podcast, we're giving you a gift of ten minutes of time to do something else with. We well, don't rather, have to listen to us. Rather than listening to us talking. So, you know, please I consider it. I believe there's a population that's pretty global, except for about 400 people. Who take not just that ten minutes, <laughs> but all of the time that we spend talking. See, we, and give, they, them a, we give them that. They gift do other every stuff with that, weeks. and they we give, they we don't give a gift of seventy-five minutes to every single human being on the planet <laughs> for not making them listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well done. 
Well done. Um, and <laughs> we now, of course, you're filling generous. up that time that you only five minutes ago promised to our listeners. You're <laughs> now true. filling it with that's garbage, true. Dave. So, <laughs> well, what, what's, you know, what's different? What's new then? Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, then. So, next week, next week, we have another interview. We have another interview. We? Yeah. Um, so next week we were determined not to have an interview but to do some content maybe we'll try and fit some content in around that interview but it's I really important we should be- because you, we've well, got um, our friend and patron Dystopia Matt talking about his new game the name of which I've just forgotten Dave so really <laughs> quickly come in here and dig me out of this hole <laughs> no because I've forgotten it too uh, oh god Matt forgive uh, us uh, uh, we can edit this we can edit this hang on um, where are we where are we fearsome wilderness fearsome wilderness fearsome wilderness it, it trips off the tongue uh, like we remembered it really quickly yes and when you edit this nobody will know any different um, <laughs> yeah this is this is a game that, that Matt's been uh, developing for a little while now and we've uh, had the had the honour of being able to have a little look at it and it's yeah I I, I love the idea of it but I haven't spoken to Matt about it for a little while so mm-hmm. it would be great to get him on the show and hear what's come of it now but yes so you do owe us uh, a discussion around uh, the Coriolis card game yeah it's, well, no, it's not a card game it's Caron it's Caron uh, it's not a card that, it, that is your homework for next time yeah and I've got to say I, I did start writing it but as I prophesied in the last episode it turned out to be almost exactly copied off the uh, the Wikipedia article for Karam. Uh, we don't so, we, we, we don't want to like be accused of uh, plagiarizing Wikipedia. No, there we really. Definitely not. Definitely no, not, not because not again, it's probably anyway. wrong. If it's on Wikipedia, <laughs> it's probably wrong. That's true. Um, so I'm going to take what it says on Wikipedia and other sources, and I'm going to specify it up a bit. Cool. So this won't be traditional Karam. It'll be. Karom as played in the Third Horizon, and maybe by the time I've finished, it's even got a different name. We'll have to wait and see. Nice, but that—that that is my mission for the next week. Good, good. And uh, we'll cut Dystopia Matt short, interview-wise, so that we can fit it in, possibly mid-sentence, <laughs> or possibly not. I think <laughs> we can fit. I think we can fit both in. Okay. So yeah, that would be cool. Looking forward to that. That'd be great. So, um, without any further ado, we will give you that gift of a few minutes. Uh, So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. May the Ayakuns bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music, stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.